Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Appreciate you taking time to listen to this podcast. It's a special podcast, and I'm very honored to have joining me in this special podcast, Bill Kilmer. He is the Senior Vice President for Legislative and Political Affairs at the MBA, as well as Pete Mills, Senior Vice President of Residential Policy and Member Engagement. Pete, Bill, thank you so much for taking time out of your extremely busy day to join me on the podcast, on this special podcast today. Yeah, great. Happy, happy to do it. Well, we're glad. We heard you in stereo there. We have, we got, we're glad to have it. I, I want to share with our listeners, both of you know this, but I want to share with our listeners what really is the, <laughs> what is the reason for this uh, podcast and, and who was the catalyst for it. I have clients all over the nation, and I get to work with them. It's a real privilege and honor to be speaking to clients and having clients. And we have one client up in uh, Dallas. His name is Bill Shattuck. I'm using his name by permission. He is the owner of Shattuck Companies. He owns uh, title insurance companies. He owns Willowbend Mortgage. And I was explaining to Bill some of the issues of what's going on. Willowbend is approved by Fannie Mae, and they're, they sell loans. They're now selling loans into Fannie Mae, but they were, were explaining to him. Bill is a not active in the business. He has Pam Jenkins, who runs the business. So we're explaining to Bill why we're taking some of the uh, – some of the actions we were by because of the credit tightening and uh, that's going on and we're explaining to him and and what <laughs> i didn't realize how connected bill is politically and he explaining what was happening and what some of the issues were and he says we need to make some calls who do we need to call and i was explaining various individuals who are in the headlines all over the headlines right now he says well, let me get Roger on. I said, who's Roger? Sir, all of a sudden, Bill disappeared. And he's, if you're ever on a phone call with Bill Shattuck, he's one that conferences is in people faster than anybody I have ever met. So sure enough, there's a guy by the name of Roger Williams. Just happens to be a U.S. representative. And he goes, Bill, what's going on? And he, Bill launches into him by saying, Roger, there's some things going on in D.C. right now that is threatening the many mortgage companies. And I own a mortgage company. I've owned this thing for 30 years, and it's threatening what's going on, our liquidity and our ability to operate. And uh, Dave, explain to him what's going on. And, <laughs> and I realized, listeners, oh, my gosh, he's pretty well connected. And uh, so we explained to Roger Williams, Representative, U.S. Representative Roger Williams, who happens to be a TCU graduate, and Bill Shattuck is. They, they were fraternity brothers, so they knew each other real well. I mean, Bill literally pulled Roger out of a committee meeting, if I understood correctly, talking about the very thing we're talking about here. So I realized quickly that it is important that we have a coordinated voice, that we have a coordinated message when we're talking on the Hill. I have so much respect for guys like Bill Shattuck that are make-it-happen people. And it's so important that as we make things happen, that we do things in league with and in concert with, synced up with the most important organization that supports our industry. And, of course, I'm talking about the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. And with that, I called out and said, help, Bill Kelmer. <laughs> I want to make sure what we're doing is in league with you and step with you and being effective, most importantly. And then we start talking about doing this special podcast. And that brings us to this podcast. So first of all, Bill, uh, thank you so much for joining. And then thank you for the suggestion, getting Pete on this. 
podcast with us to, to get a couple angles on this. So, Bill, I'd like to toss this over to you. If you could give us an update. Obviously, we're the forbearance issue. Uh, we've seen Jenny May have the TPAP. Uh, the dog barking got me. That's the world we're living in. We're all working at home, so dogs barking. <laughs> things going on. Uh, kind of feel, maybe that's appropriate. You may have just had that barking sound because it does feel like barking dogs at the heels of our industry right now, Bill. And uh, what I'm thinking about is, again, Jenny May has the fun for issuers to be able to draw from as we have deal with increased uh, extraordinary issues related to forbearance. But there isn't such a fun for Fannie and Freddie. So I know you've been working aggressively on the Hill and working all over, as well as Bob Brooksman. I should give a big shout out to Bob Brooksman, the president and CEO of the NBA, for his tireless work and everyone that's involved in this. So, Bill, bring us up to date, if you would mind. And then as you're explaining it, if we have listeners that are listening that want to get actively involved, and they can, they sure thought you should become an active member of MORPAC and make your donations there. If there was ever a reason this situation we're dealing with right now underscores that, but also Mortgage Action Alliance. There's ways you can have your voice heard there. But for those of you that are like Bill Shattuck, where you can pick up the phone and drag uh, your friends, uh, your Roger Williams, out of a committee and get talking to him, we need to be synced up. So, Bill, help us get synced up. Listen, thank you, David, for the to have this conversation with you. And Pete, Pete and I will very much tag team this, which is what we're doing. I hear that barking dog in the background all the time. I think that's probably Pete's uh, <laughs> friend there who's make, making, that, making that noise. And your example of Bill Shattig and his work with Roger Williams, who's a congressman from Texas, as you mentioned, and a member of the House Financial Services Committee, never been a more important time for us to use those friends and allies in the Congress and those that you have constituent relationships with if, if you're in the industry to help amplify your voice and to, and to give people an example of what's, what's really happening, the impact of what's happening uh, to the mortgage businesses across the country and the impact that that's having uh, downstream on borrowers, particularly at this time of, of the unprecedented call for forbearance that came out of uh, the phase three uh, relief package, the, the CARES Act that just got enacted. And uh, I appreciate the shout out for the Mortgage Action Alliance and I'm going to say this early and often throughout our conversation today, Mortgage Action Alliance uh, acronym is obviously MAA, M-A-A, and uh, uh, it's free, it's nonpartisan, and it's a way that you can synchronize your message as an individual and uh, easily mobilize, send emails, and get information that's critical throughout this particularly difficult period. You can text those letters, M-A-A, to the number 50457. That's MAA to the number 50457, or you can go to mba.org slash MAA, and you can join very easily with just a couple of keystrokes, and we'll keep you informed, and we'll, we have been sending out a number of calls to action on issues related to the, to the Congress and to the federal government in Washington, D.C., for congressmen and women and senators to contact key members of the administration or, or, or to take action on specific pieces of legislation, but also in state capitals around the country as keeping, you know, housing-related services listed as essential services in this time and making a push for remote online notarization and things of that sort, never been more important. And I, I would also say, David, thank you so much for the shout out to MORPAC, our, our industry's political action committee. You can get there off mba.org, but you can also just Google MORPAC, M-O-R-P-A-C, and that'll take you straight to the page that'll give you a chance to, to contribute. It's the fuel that helps us keep staying in front of, of, of members of Congress, even at a difficult economic time like we're going through. And, you know, David, you framed the push that we've been making uh, with respect to these forbearance requirements that were part of the CARES Act, the GSEs, uh, FHFA and their regulator, Mark Calabria took the lead in, in putting together a, a regime for how the forbearance should flow. And then the Congress essentially codified that guidance, not, not exactly verbatim word for word, but much more in the spirit of that. It was a little bit different approach, and, and, and we were able to use folks from around the country and, and, and the, the staff at MBA, Pete, Pete's team, my team, to work with members of Congress so that those two frameworks were more in sync than they would have been before the Senate passed 
the legislation and 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 obviously the house followed suit the the bill's been signed in, into law since late march and and we've been off to the races ever since but i i think that it might be good to toss things to pete to talk a little bit about how that's been operationalized and yeah, also great. kind of talk about three or four of the other main pillars of, of of our outreach on behalf of the industry if that's all right david perfect absolutely pete go for it yeah good thanks bill and thanks david so let me walk through, there's a whole body of issues we've been working on since the crisis began, and they really fall into four buckets, and starting with the issue that Bill's been talking about, the CARES Act and the forbearance requirements that are embodied in the CARES Act, as well as in the GSC and FHA and VA forbearance standards. So there's a whole body of work in the servicing space, a number of issues in the originations, and then two other buckets are really the, the liquidity issue, which is driven by the servicing forbearance. And then Bill made a reference to the state issues that we're dealing with, the shelter in place orders and things like that. So, so let's start with the servicing and forbearance issues. Bill mentioned you know, the, the CARES Act requires a six-month forbearance, up to six months initial forbearance, and up to an additional six months. Those are largely what I call friction-free requirements. There is little documentation required uh, other than an attestation or an assertion by the borrower that they are experiencing a COVID-related hardship. The operational aspects of servicing sort of dictate that a documentation-heavy paper chase would bury servicers in a matter of days, given the volume of forbearance we've seen. So that's part of the challenge that we're dealing with. And... So a variety of issues come out of that. Obviously, there are advancing issues that arise out of that. If you're a servicer for FHA or VA, you're advancing PITI for anywhere from 120 days, and then Fannie Mae has a longer period of time before those advances are returned. The Ginnie Mae advances obviously persist much longer, and so immediately we recognize the need for a liquidity facility to help servicers with the, what is really an unprecedented level of advances. We are tracking those on a weekly basis. We've gone from a very, very low level of delinquencies and low level of, of active forbearances to uh, we will blow through the 5% level uh, this week and estimates uh, of total forbearance take up uh, under the CARES Act is going to be between you know, 15%, possibly higher, depending upon how long this persists. Yeah. So, this yeah. creates a major liquidity challenge for the industry, particularly for the independent mortgage banker, but it is not just an IMB issue. There are community banks that are being asked to forbear on other consumer debt as well as small business loans. And so the need for a liquidity facility really has come down into two significant areas. One is with Ginnie Mae. And I have to say that Ginnie Mae has been incredibly responsive to the challenges ahead of them, looking at their existing authorities and using them in creative ways without having to go to Congress to stand up what we call the PTAP, the Pass-Through Assistance Program. It was based on a prior program they had for hurricanes and other natural disasters. That has now been stood up in a matter of a few weeks. It is operational. It was for the April 20 remittance cycle for Ginnie Mae Securities and it does cover principal and interest advances for issuers. Still creates a need for liquidity support for taxes and insurance. And then you've got uh, obviously need for liquidity support to support your advances on GSEs, GSE securities. We are looking now to the Fed, and I'm going to have Bill talk a little bit about where that discussion stands. The Fed has ample authority under its 13.3 what we call Section 13.3 authorities to stand up a liquidity facility. Congress provided in the CARES Act over $450 billion to do so. But we have to move them politically, create the political will for them to stand up a facility specifically for servicing advances. On the origination front, we are dealing with a whole number of issues that are just what I would call friction in the system created by the fact that we're dealing with social distancing, we're dealing with the inability of appraisers oh, yeah. to get in and see, see a property. And so we have been engaged in regular calls with the GSEs, with FHA, with VA, to try to develop the kinds of flexibilities needed to, to, to keep transactions moving in this incredibly unusual environment. So appraisal flexibilities, verification flexibilities, uh, there is a significant issue we're working on currently related to what we're calling early payment forbearance, which is when a borrower 
seeks forbearance mm-hmm. after closing and prior to delivery. And we're trying to ensure that those loans are, in fact, purchasable by the GSEs. And that is creating that the uncertainty there is creating significant issues back through the system. And then the last body of issues are the state issues, the shelter in place or stay at home orders that are coming out. We have been working with our state uh, mortgage bankers associations to ensure that uh, not only our financial services, which are already identified as essential services by most states and by the, by, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, but also all the ancillary services that support the real estate finance transaction are deemed to be essential services under those orders. And that's been a significant challenge. There's a, a major battle right now in the state of Pennsylvania, which has gone oh boy, yeah. uh, o- overboard on its designation of, of what's essential and what's not and a lot of work being done there. Uh, the states are also moving on the forbearance front as well, and our efforts are really to try to get those states to align with the federal status so that we have a uniform body of forbearance out there. So that's the, those are the four buckets of issues we're working on. I will just t- say two other things. We do a weekly call with our members. We get over 1,000 people calling in. In fact, we max out our call-in lines and we record these, but we do a, a one-hour call two o'clock on Mondays for members uh, where we walk through all of the existing work streams that were, that were going on and gives folks a, a good level set at the top of the week of accomplishments of the prior week and new issues that have come up that we're, that we're tackling. So a great way to stay in touch. And then uh, I'm going to let Bill talk a little bit about some of the things uh, that they're working on at Capitol Hill. But I would also note that if you sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance, there's a very comprehensive weekly Mortgage Action Alliance newsletter that goes out that will cover all these same issues and allow folks to stay completely up to speed on what's, what we're working right. on on their behalf. There's also an app uh, where we're jumping on the um, Ma Mortgage Action Alliance. deal. There's an app that everyone can download. It's so effective and encourage people to download. Go to your app store your, and your Android device. I don't, I'm an Apple guy, so... Go wherever you need to go on your Android device. Bill, uh, fighting so many battles. Pete, thanks so for lining those up. Four pillars. Have there ever been a time, Pete, where you've been busier? These are such four critical ones. The state, what's going on in Pennsylvania, I'm just hearing stories out of there. Michigan's not too far behind. 10,000 people show up protesting in Michigan about the over uh, taking the whole, you know, social distancing thing too far. So it's, it's, it's so many battles and so many fronts. I applaud all of you, what you're doing. If you have a chance to get to your representative, what are the words we need to be saying? But first of all, follow on with what Pete said. Get some clarity. <laughs> sure. No, absolutely. Now, Pete was talking about some of the things that we were doing on the Hill, and particularly, I think, as pertains to the need for this liquidity so that uh, investors can continue to be paid when payments aren't missed and understandably so, but so that servicers can be the implementers of this forbearance regime. And I've been really heartened by the fact that this issue and the need for the liquidity really has not been a partisan one. You know, obviously what the treasury is doing, what what the federal reserve is doing is unprecedented. It makes what happened in 2008 and 2009 already look small by comparison, which I don't know that any of us thought we'd ever see, at least in our (laughs) lifetime. And this is just, you know, different, cause obviously this public health and safety problem is is one that's really unprecedented and so there's many things that they've had to stand up in record time that were authorities they were given when the cares act was passed but there's over 450 billion dollars which doesn't seem as large a sum as it as it did perhaps a, a month or two ago but is a serious chunk of money in what's called an emergency stabilization fund in one section of the bill, which is which is the backstop for the Fed to use the so-called 13-3 authorities that that Pete alluded to, yep. and you've seen them do that in different sectors of the economy. What what I've been heartened by, and and the NBA team's been happy to see, is that both Republicans and Democrats have written to Treasury Secretary Mnuchin and to Fed Chairman Powell, or written to them individually and said. We're watching carefully as you implement um, the authorities you were given in the CARES Act. We want you to take special heed of certain sectors, such as mortgage servicing. And, you know, there have been letters that have come from the Senate Banking Committee chairman, Republican Mike Crapo, Crapo, strong conservative from Idaho. Same kind of letters written by progressives like Maxine Waters, who's the chairwoman of the House Financial Services Committee from California, Democrat. Her counterpart on the banking committee, Crapo's ranking member, Sherrod Brown, 
a Democrat from Ohio. And then you had a group of almost 25 Republicans that sent a letter to both well, just to Secretary Mnuchin saying that there was a critical need to stand up a facility for, for you know, or give access to mortgage servicers uh, to a facility within this authority that's in the CARES Act, even if there was never a need to use it, have the tool available and, and send a signal that you're going to do that. And so you've got all four quadrants, House and Senate, Republican and Democrat of leaders in the Congress suggesting that that liquidity needs to be made available and, and operational. And obviously, uh, Pete and his team, Bob Brookschmidt and others at NBA are, are talking regularly with folks at, at HUD, spend a, a ton of time talking to the folks at, at, at Jenny May, that they have taken the steps that they have. But we're in, in fairly constant contact, our colleague Mike Pratt and Tony with his contacts at the Federal Reserve. Mike's our chief economist, as you know, David, talking almost, almost daily with the Fed, sharing information and data and talking about uh, the need for this facility. The same thing true with the, with the team at the, at the Treasury Department. And so we, we continue to press that case. And, and um, you know, that, that's, that's one message that I know Pete and I would, would love for folks to be able to, to their members of Congress, just as I'm sure Bill Shattuck did, some of the specific issues that Pete's, tu- Pete's touched on, but, but also this liquidity issue writ large. Just send a signal that you're going to send, that set up the facility. We recognize that the timing, you know, may may take a little bit longer, but the, the markets really need to know that that, you know, that that help is is going to be there for the folks that that need to have the, the the liquidity steps taken. And you know, obviously, we'll continue to be a resource. And I suspect that as we're getting ready for this next big relief package that the Congress is going to get to, I'll. I'll talk to you in a minute, David, about some of the politics that have slowed down replenishing some of the funds for all business-related relief and how that will play into this next big relief package. Um, but as, as Congress is getting ready for that, you know, we're putting together a list that, of things that we think Congress needs to act on for the industry, including some technical corrections on forbearance and, and some other critical measures for both the single-family side of the House and our multifamily members. And and I, I, we're going to be using that mop platform shortly, uh, asking people to weigh in to take that message oh, forward. But let me stop there and, and, and let you ask a few questions of us. Well, it, we always know that the feds are the the source or the borrowing source of least uh, desire. I can't remember how they phrased it. I've heard it. But is 13.1 considered a loan? Is that should we be what would be the MBAs hoping to get? Uh, something through Congress and that we don't need to do, use the Emergency Stabilization Fund. I think I got that right, 13.3. I wrote that one down. Um, the yeah. 40, $450 billion. <laughs> Are we hoping to not, to not need that, or is this in conjunction with? If you could add some clarity to that. I think it's in conjunction with. We, would, we certainly wouldn't forestall the opportunity for Congress to take specific action and legislatively mandate that there be a facility for mortgage servicers. What we found in the last round, in the phase three round, the CARES Act round of legislating, again, in this weird remote environment where the Congress was generally not there, leaders were negotiating, and then they were brought back into town for the voting, is that, is that the Fed and the Treasury Department frown on any specific legislative authority for any specific sector of the economy in altering the statutory framework around this 13-3 credit facility authority that the, that the Fed has. So... We, would we accept that? Would we uh, ask for Congress to push? Yes, but we also are simultaneously pushing for them to use the authority that was given to them in the CARES Act. And Pete, you may want to talk a little bit about, you know, how the loan advances might be used as collateral and, and, and how that facility would be operationalized and how, you know, our members could potentially u- utilize it. Yeah, so uh, David, to your, your point, uh, it is something that you would rather have and not need uh, yes. than to need and not have. Right. And, and so that's our we've been really pressuring them to begin work on this, because if, if forbearance persists longer, if it takes longer for the economy to reopen, we are going to need this. And you can't start you can't stand this up after you've realized you have a need for it. It'll, it'll be too late. Yeah. So we are really pushing hard for this to be begin this work now. Uh, the, the framework, there are a variety of different ways you could go. And a 13-3 facility is a borrowing facility. So uh, the entity entity that goes to the window is going to pledge collateral. In this case, the collateral would be servicing advances that we are making 
really on behalf of Fannie, Freddie, uh, and potentially the, the T&I portion of, of Ginnie Mae. These are all reimbursable advances. They are dollar good out of the waterfall, whether it's at, at the end of the forbearance period when the GSEs uh, reimburses for the advances. Hopefully not too much of this, but if this property goes to foreclosure uh, in, in the Ginnie context, you would get your reimbursements at, at that point in time, or you get them through a partial claim through FHA. But they are receivables that are the property of the servicer that are a good asset that can be pledged to the Fed to get cash back, to get the liquidity back. And so a variety of ways you could tap that. One would be uh, have the individual INVs go to the Fed uh, to the Fed facility. I'm thinking the Fed probably doesn't want to have four or 500 people coming to the, coming to say, the door. Yeah. So alternatives, you could work it through warehouse lenders, or you could work it through yep. the GSEs themselves. You could, it's effectively a GSE version of the PTAP program, where the GSEs are the ones going to the window to reimburse the servicers for the advances they're making on behalf of the GSEs. So, a, again, a variety of different options. We have sketched out all three of those, but it's important that they begin to think through these mechanics in a way that can and get quickly. stood up very, yeah, very quickly. So. Yeah, very clear. And I th- it's so knowing that the Federal Reserve is our the letter of least uh, resort or least desired of all of them. Lender of last resort, I think is, is last resort. Right. Lender of last resort. There we go. That's what I was looking for. And I and there's reasons for that. Are there any other provisions or any other concerns by running through that door and having granted funds that we should be aware of that that we should say use caution and. So I guess what I'm thinking is 13.3, sometimes somewhat like um, the stay at home, if the cure is worse than the disease. Is any words of caution there, or should we encourage our listeners to explore that? I think it does require what they call a penalty interest rate. Now, how yeah. stiff that penalty is, it's an above market rate, but you're, this is a short-term facility. It's not a long-term uh, facility. These advances, will, most of them get paid when loans are bought out of pools by the GSEs through the partial claim process at FHA. So it is a short-term facility. So the penalty rate would not be extreme. I mean, there's always caution uh, when you're borrowing from the federal government. Yep. Um, yep. People should do it eyes open and only do it if they need it. I mean, if, 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 if it's funny. We talk about the same way we talk about borrowers should not take forbearance unless they actually need it. would encourage folks only to tap these liquidity facilities, whether it's the PTAP, or uh, hopefully we'll get a a Fed liquidity stood up, I would only recommend that you tap it if you need it. If the forbearance period is shorter, if fewer people take up forbearance and you you have liquidity to to fund the advances, I would would absolutely suggest doing that. But if if the take-up rates are high, if the duration is long, and you need the facility to to, to meet your advance obligations, then, then it's there for you. Good. I think it's so important. It's it's there, but proceed with caution is probably what I'm seeing, hearing between the lines on that. Use other sources, and that's like what Bill Shattuck was doing. He's calling all these other resources that he could use and call upon, but it's nice to know that one's there. So let's move into, by the way, I just got a text message from Roger Williams. So I don't know if it's coincidental or he's listening in, but thank you to all the congressmen that we do have. This podcast does get listened to a lot on the Hill, and we're grateful for all that you're doing to listen to these two gentlemen. Bill Kilmer is known by all of you there, so please make sure you're hearing and listening to what he has to say. I couldn't believe that. I just got a text message from Roger Williams. But anyway, um, the, the let's get talking about the pending. Oh, one question. I didn't, I'm looking at some text messages that came in from listeners right now. One that came in is, Pete, you said they're standing up the $450 billion. That is not, $13.3 billion is not available at this moment, yes or no? And if not, when will it be available? Funding for a 13.3 facility. 13.3 is just the section yes. of the Federal Reserve Act under which the liquidity facilities are, 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 are permitted. The funding is available. The Treasury has $454 billion, okay. I think, is the number that Bill mentioned. That's available. They have not used it all up yet. Fact, so it is available. Example. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, it's authorized. They've used about a third of that tranche of money. Okay. And, you know, the way that that works under the Federal Reserve Act is that it's a leveraged approach. So 
you really can lend almost 10x beyond the amount of money that's there as the backstop. Uh, so there is adequate funding, and this is a point that, that Senate Banking Committee Chairman Crapo made in his last letter to the Fed and the Treasury. There's ample funding left from that $450 billion amount okay. um, that Good. could be utilized as, just to, to provide that kind of facility for mortgage servicing. Is the MBA providing any guidance or advice uh, when accessing that facility? Are you guys a resource that they should turn to? Or if not, who would they turn to as a resource to access 13.3? Well, again, I want to emphasize, and then I'll turn it back to Pete, that the funding's there, the authorities there, the Fed has, and, and the Treasury in concert, the Fed has established several, virtually half a dozen various credit facilities for different sectors of the economy. They have yet, okay. not yet done this for the mortgage servicing okay, uh, side, of the, clarity. side of the yeah. economy. That's the ask that we need to continue to be making of folks okay. like Congressman Williams and, and the others to continue to push the Treasury and continue to push the Fed to okay. do that. And, and they, they have not said not yet. They have not said no they have said not yet. And, you know, okay. uh, Secretary Mnuchin's been in the press even earlier this week talking about a careful eye that they're continuing to keep on the mortgage servicing space, you know, and working with other regulators in that regard. Fed Chairman Powell did a press conference last week, David, where he, he talked in a little bit more detail than, than Mnuchin about, the, you know, some of the focus that the Fed is keeping, uh, no doubt because of some of the information that we're sharing. So, Pete and I are, along with the rest of the NBA team, waiting for the opportunity to be a resource to give guidance okay. to, uh, okay, to folks listening to your podcast about how they will utilize this facility. But it has not yet been stood up yet, although the authority okay, exists and the funding exists for it to be done. Okay, yeah, good. Now, that gives the clarity. On the Ginny side, the PTAP is up and running and is available that is right. for, for folks to use. And I would suggest talk to your Ginny account exec. There is a process set up in this new section of the Gini guides that they have put in place for this particular emergency or disaster, if you will. And there is a process. There's a few forms to fill out. Uh, there's a couple of attestations and there is a time frame. So if you need help mm. for a for the May remittance cycle, you would need to be talking to Ginny May early in the month. I believe on the 5th and the 6th is when they review requests for funding from the PTAP facility. And then they will review those requests and then arrange for, uh, if approved, arrange for depositing into the service search P&I account the funding necessary to make what would be the, the May remittance on May 20th. So there is Perfect. a very specific process. It's outlined in the All Participants Memorandum and in Chapter 35 of the Gini Guide. So I would definitely encourage folks to, to look there. I just got a text message in. I wouldn't be very surprised this is Bill Shattuck texting me right now. It says, who do we call at the feds to make sure to help move that along? There's a lot of people that have that want to get behind that. Bill, who should we be con or Pete, who should we be contacting there? I actually would encourage people if they've got contacts to be pushing those towards the Treasury and not to get into the alphabet soup that is Washington, David, but the Dodd Frank Act <laughs> so established true. a multi regulator council that was supposed to look at systemic risk-related questions throughout the economy to try to avoid problems that were brought about by that last Great Recession crisis called yep. the FSOC, the Financial Stability Oversight Council. It's chaired by the Treasury Secretary. The Fed sits on it, the OCC, the FDIC, FHFA, the whole alphabet soup of, of folks in the prudential financial regulatory space. And FSOC has stood up... Uh, task force at Treasury Mnuchin's urging or direction to, to look at this mortgage servicing equation, uh, particularly with respect to non-banks. And they've had a meeting. Pete and others from MBA, Bob Brooksman, have been in regular contact with FSOC. And so if you're, if you're talking to folks inside the administration, I think, I think the effort should be directed towards Secretary Mnuchin's team. We'd be happy to talk with folks about about who they might want to, you know, direct their questions. But you know, the secretary is playing a leading role. He's been the lead negotiator for the president on on Capitol Hill and on all of these relief efforts. And he's he's at the core of the implementation. We we think the Fed is probably in in a place where you know, if, if given the right political go-ahead that they, uh, you know, want to be able to utilize this authority. I, we haven't given up the ghost on that or taken that for granted. 
any of the individual Fed governors, and, and again, this is outside of the way that we lobby legislators. This is some of the inside baseball of having some of those relationships that, that some on your podcast here will undoubtedly have with some of the, some of the lead policymakers. But, you know, and certainly Chairman Powell or any of the other Federal Reserve governors are folks to be contacted. I'd, I'd point to Randy Quarles, who's the vice chairman of the Fed and, and really has the lead on, on regulatory matters as, as another important touchstone. But I'd circle back to saying the Treasury is probably the most important place to train your fire. Well, we will. Listeners, write that down. Let's move forward and talk about what you're doing this next round of funding. What are you hoping to accomplish and how hopeful are you? Pete can certainly jump in here as well. There's a whole host of things that, you know, we've been polling our members on as we've been getting these operational details and continue to look at the at the data that Mike Tretton Tony's team is providing, you know, in the rush to get the Senate bill in particular passed and then the House passing it a couple of days later, there there are going to be technical mistakes in a package yep. that's over $2 trillion worth of authorities. <laughs> there was a mistake and, and, and language was left out of defining the covered period of time for the utilization of this forbearance regime that we've been discussing, the six months initially and then the up to an additional six months. And so we're working to try to get that technical language inserted so that there is a definition for the covered period of, of that mandate to, uh, for, the, for the forbearance. Pete talked about this issue relative to early payment forbearance and the GSEs purchasing loans from lenders when the borrower has indicated the need for forbearance. That's something that uh, we're working on administratively, but something that we're certainly talking to the Congress about. And then talking about making sure that Ginny's got adequate authority or if there's a need for them to have additional authorities beyond the PTAP facility that they've stood up under their existing authority. And we talked a little bit, David, about, you know, continuing to work both tracks and see if the Congress is open to a specified mortgage servicer facility for the Fed or, or, or whether that, you know, they can continue to just pressure the Treasury and the Fed to do it under existing authority. Pete, I may want to jump in here and underscore some of what I just threw out there, but that's what we've been doing in terms of getting ready as we are lobbying on an individual basis, offices up on Capitol Hill and key leaders, you know, in, in this next debate, you know, we're getting ready to turn to the Mortgage Action Alliance and, and, and go down that laundry list and ask people to weigh in. But Pete, if you've got anything to add, what I what I gave is the, 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 the shopping list. Yeah, those are the, I mean, those are the key items. I think in anything like this, always playing a little bit of defense as well. And so a little bit of concern about efforts to perhaps expand or change the CARES Act forbearance framework. And so one of the worst things we could do is create new requirements in addition to those we're already executing to. You know, one of the things we learned in 2008, 9, and 10, in particular with the HAMP program, is don't change the rules in the middle of the program. And so we've got the CARES Act, we've got the GSEs and the FHA and the other agency forbearance standards. We're executing to those. We don't want those changed in the middle of the road with either additional disclosures or other requirements that would require operational changes. The scale of forbearance that we're dealing with is unprecedented, particularly coming off of record low delinquencies to what will now be a significant increase in forbearance and in, in delinquencies. Don't change the rules in the middle of the game. So we'll be playing some defense yep. on that front as well. David, I, I, I would say lots of our members have been urging us to, to try to nail down a little bit more well-defined causation hook for people that would need the forbearance because of a COVID-19 related reason. And as Pete said, we are you know, pushing against the headwind. Republicans, Democrats, the administration have all rallied behind the need for this forbearance. The industry has as well. We, we'd love to tighten up some of those standards, but like Pete said, it's, it's going to be incredibly difficult to do so. We're, we're worried about playing defense, you know, for other requirements that might be layered on, just as he said. The text messages are blowing up. I can only imagine how many people are running at you with messages as you're trying to do what you're doing on the Hill. Let's talk about the probability of what of the timing of this Bill, uh, is something, do you anticipate something happening? Repeat, whichever, I mean, I know you both are active on this, so it really goes to both of you. What is the timing? Let's start with you, Bill. Well, timing for the next round of legislation, I would have said, would have been late this month. 
David, I, I know Pete and I feel like days seem like weeks and, and the weeks seem like months. It seems like an <laughs> eternity so since we, we weren't sheltering in place. And just given the volume of work crossing everyone's desk, and I know that's true for everyone in the industry as well. But I, I now would say it's going to be May, and, and I would even say late May for this next legislative package. One of the small business props, the so-called Paycheck Protection Program, which was funded right. at $350 billion, is already out of money. And I know some of yes. the industry have seen whether they can apply for that, you know, as a, as a resource during these troubling times. You know, the funding's gone, and yet you can't get a bipartisan consensus just to gross that program up and put another $250 billion, you know, as a backstop for, for that. Democrats are suggesting that they also want to get some direct funding out to hospitals and to state and local governments directly to build on some of the elements of the, of the CARES Act. And so that slowed down. Congress trying to do all this without members in town and doing it at the leadership level just by unanimous consent is proving difficult. So they're not coming back to Washington until May the 4th, absent some emergency. And I, I, I would say your listeners should think of that as some you know, major market decline again of the sort that we saw right in the middle of the passage of the CARES Act on the equity side might be a catalyst. But I don't think they're coming back until May because, to be quite honest, they don't want to all the time around each other on Moss, you know, with mm-hmm. uh, several yep. hundred of them around uh, in, in, in either chamber. So that's the timing on the legislative side. Uh, you know, Pete and I speculate daily about what might happen with respect to, you know, the, this mortgage servicing authority. But Pete, you want to jump in here? On the regulatory side, which is where I spend more of my time, it's just a, it's a constant push of working with uh, other allied industry groups. I would say, I don't think Bill mentioned this earlier, this Fed facility is really important for IMBs, but community banks and others support it. So we work with other industry allies to continue to push Treasury towards standing up this facility. So you, we've had realtor support, we've had home builder support, and we've had community banker support. So and there's a M- lot of M- effort in- to... MI industry is supportive as M- well. MI support, Good. exactly. Structured, structured finance folks, uh, the investor side. Yep. Good. Yeah, so uh, a lot of our efforts are building the building the coalition as well. Yeah, well, this is let's talk about the Maw app because you talked about this coming week you're going to be pushing a lot out through that app. And I like something uh, Bill Shattuck wrote a quote to me when he wrote me an email to all the, he knows Roger Williams, Van Taylor, Ann Wagner, and even Maxine Waters. He's in contact with all of them. And he says, you know, this one quote, he says, it comes out of the Army. He says, I'm only one, but I am one. And I think it's so important that you listeners see yourself as one when you use the Maw app, when you log into that. And you have that open all the time. It's a way to have your voice heard. And if you're one like Bill Shattuck who has access to the top people across there, you may not have access to as many as Bill has, but you have talking points right there. Have them down. Be able to talk to them. Take this podcast and forward it on to them. Hear the, the tone here. What's so impressive when I was talking to Bill and Pete, they're not as much about pointing fingers at any one person. And there's been a lot of finger pointing at one particular individual, Mark Calabra, and they're wanting to do what's right. They want to get the message away in a healthy, positive way. Nobody knows how to manage the troubled waters ahead better than these two. So let's follow their lead, listeners. Let's work with the Maw app. So talk, Bill, Pete, about what we can anticipate and how to react with what you're putting up there. Sure, absolutely. What, what you can anticipate is this continued drumbeat on the, on the need for liquidity within the four corners of how Pete and I have, have tried to explain what we're advancing in these daily conversations and with our coalition partners as well. And I would also say uh, we've had some of the consumer advocates, you know, on behalf of the borrower who have also weighed in heavily, you know, uh, for the need for this liquidity facility to be operationalized as well. So, it's basically the ask that set of asks that I was going through, Dave, in response to your questions, uh, your question about what's next on the legislative front. That's right. That's what I anticipate us pushing out through the app. And, and I appreciate you making the case for the, the app on someone's smartphone, regardless of, of platform, whether it's Google, Android or, 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 or Apple iPhone. Just type in in whatever your app store equivalent is, Mortgage Action Alliance. It'll take you right to the app. 
it's as simple as in, any of these other apps that we use in our daily lives uh, right. or use when we were all going to restaurants or still using now when we're doing takeout, you know, at Chick-fil-A or McDonald's, <laughs> same kind of principle. Yep. You can walk through two, two easy steps that will allow you to join the alliance and you'll get all that information that both Pete and I have referenced. I'll also say we, we try to make it as easy as possible for people to join, and that's why I told you I'd repeat that if you want to just send a text message, text the letters MAA for MA to 50457. And it'll take it'll shoot you it'll shoot you back a link and you can walk through just as easily become a member and you'll start getting all this information pushed out to email but you can get all this information right at your fingertips through the app and app and that's that's what I would tell folks to anticipate it's just a reiteration of what we're going to be asking the hill and and the talking points of the company the things that, that Pete and I have tried to synthesize synthesize for you today. One thing that I just got another text, do I have to be a member of the MBA? And I know that answer. The answer is no. And I applaud you guys for whoever set this up. To, you do not have to be a member of the MBA to have your voice heard with that. Uh, I, I, I would be remiss no. if I didn't say, but right. why not? <laughs> say what? Why not join? Why not join? Exactly. Say why not join? You should. Exactly. We should say that. Well, Trisha Magliazzo is going to be hearing this, and if we don't say that, I'm going to be taking some punishment from her for sure. Uh, she works exactly. with you, Pete, and, and 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 I'm looking at those that have been pushing back on membership at the NBA. I mean, this is why we need membership. You need to be a member, and then you need to do what Bill Cosgrove did. He caught me at the last Morpac meeting. There feeling no pain, no what he was drinking, and then he got a thousand dollars out of me for that, and another thousand dollars out of me, and I think it's so important. And I felt so good when I did it. I was a pressure moment, and uh, we did it. But I, I thought about that, and I go, we need to be giving more. This has never been a more important time to be yeah, I, pouring into our more pack fund, and then having our voice heard. It's a one-two punch that you got to do. And you, that going what Bill Bill Shattuck said that old army saying, "I'm only one, but I am one," and that's a great phrase when you're considering more pack. No, thank you, David, and thank you for your contributions over the years, and thank you for that anecdote. And I would just underscore, you know, we're your constituents by proxy. This is an incredibly crazy time with a lot of critical debate that's taking place. And, you know, the more practical, it's the political capital that we utilize to make sure that we're in front of yeah. the people that can help, you know, impact these debates positively on the industry's behalf. So th thank you for the underscoring that message. And Thank you to folks for continuing to dig deep or, or, or participate fully, whether through Ma or Morpac at, at this particular point in time. I've got several. Is there a one-page document that you have that we can post on our website, these show notes, or that people can access at their MBA website that have the talking points? There's such a dynamic issue. You'd be just constantly updating that. But is there a resource that we can go to, Pete and Bill? The answer is yes. I think you nailed it, David, by saying that it's constantly evolving and we're tweaking it on <laughs> sometimes an hourly but uh, daily basis. But we'll, Pete and I will put our head together and uh, put our heads together and we'll, we'll, we'll get you something that you can post there and then we'll point people to the, you know, the right place. The, the, the MA platform is certainly one of those places we've done that kind of by separating some of the discrete issues out from the, the main issue, but certainly on liquidity front, we can, we can get something pulled together for you and make sure you get that posted. Yeah, and we do have a, uh, a, a page on our website that is a resource page for everything that's coming out from agencies and from states, from the GSEs. It is a pretty vast collection of uh, source documents and some of our own work. We also have a, what we call a community page uh, that you can access from the main resource page where we post things on a regular basis. We allow folks to, if you're a member, you can be on the community and you can post questions you might have that you've run okay. into in a particular state or a particular locality. Hey, we're having trouble with the Santa Clara County Recorder's Office. Anybody know what's going on there? And it's a way for people to communicate not That's only great. with us, great. we monitor it, but they can communicate with each other. Right, the right. State and, and local, that's very, very COVID-specific, tailored information yeah, yeah. as a resource. Yeah. Good. And I, and I, and I will I'll, say, uh, David, I know you're getting a lot of texts and the like, and Bill and I uh, and, and my whole team, our whole teams are getting texts and emails from, oh, do you know about this issue? Do you know about that issue? If we can't respond to everyone, don't take yes. that as a sign that we're not 
being react, we're not responding. Our members have been an incredible resource for us to identify. So all those flexibilities we talked about with appraisals, with verifications of employment, all that stuff came from members who saying, hey, you know, in this, in this new world, uh, we can't do transactions where we used to. Can we get some flexibility for this, for that, for the other thing? It all goes into our, uh, our, our sort of daily body of work. And so if you don't get a specific personalized response, doesn't mean we didn't log the issue in uh, and that we're not working on it. You know, everybody in the NBA team is doing their best. And I'll take this all the way up to Bob Brooksman, our CEO, to respond to those emails. It may take us a little longer time than it normally would. But what we're hearing from people in the field to underscore Pete's point, what you guys are yeah. seeing on a daily basis and the, the needs out there, getting that, you know, real-time information, helping us do a better job of making our case as we articulated here in yeah. D.C. and and are pushing that out to state capitals. Someone just wrote me, you're going to get a chuckle out of this text. It says, oh, duh, use ma. So they're trying to play on the words there. But anyway, oh, duh, use ma. So, yeah, I agree with that. that I don't know who that text, that cell phone number came from. I have to call them and give them a shout out. But that's good. Yeah, I love uh, it. You guys no, are doing great. yeoman's work there all the way through the whole MBA. Thank you so much for taking an hour out of your busy day today to sit here and get on and talk to our listeners. And listeners, take this podcast and share it everywhere. We've got to get this out. And the most important part is use Ma. Second most important part, support uh, more pack and be a member of the NBA. So, okay, Tricia, I hopefully got me off the hook of that one. But anyway, <laughs> Tricia Megliazzo, head of um, membership at the NBA. Gentlemen, thank you so much. We've had as our special guest on the podcast today, this special podcast. We've had Bill Kelmer, Senior Vice President of Legislative and Political Affairs, as well as Pete Mills, Senior Vice President of Residential Policy and Member Engagement. Gentlemen, thank you so much. And again, kudos for the yeoman's work that you are all doing there at the NBA. Appreciate you all. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. You bet. Have a great week, everybody. Next week, we have Gwen Muse coming on, my dear friend. I'm so excited to talking to Gwen. She is, she's going to be on our guest on Monday's podcast, so don't miss Monday's podcast. And then we're also going to hopefully be lining up some other special podcasts as we go through this. Have a great week, everybody. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.